Welcome to the Brattlecast, stories about books, old, rare, and out of print, the people who buy, sell, appraise, and collect them, and so much more. I'm Jordan Rich, along with my dear friend, Kenneth Gloss, the proprietor of the Brattle Bookshop, 9 West Street in Boston, Massachusetts. It's just another reason to visit the fair city of Boston, and uh, you can shop outside, inside. It's a fabulous experience. So today, you're in the Army, Mr. Jones. That's what we're going to be talking That's about. That's what we're going to be talking about. What, what sort of spurred me on to this one, a, a lady called that I have to go out in a few days from when I do this broadcast. Yep. Who uh, She wrote in and she had, or emailed in, she had 114 uh, paperback books, and they caught my eye as to what she was explaining they were. And they're... They're a subject that I really like, and they're called Armed Services Editions. Well, first of all, I'll read a little bit of a cover. The one I'm holding, mm-hmm. because I had one in the store, I'm hoping in a few days I have 114 more of them in the store, but that's we'll have to negotiate and hopefully make her happy. But what it says is these editions for the Armed Forces distributed by the Special Service Division of the um, – if Air Force and military for the Army, for the Navy, uh, and so on. And one of the things that you have that when you read about war, and I don't do all that much, but talking to people who've been in older veterans and so on, is a lot of it is really boring. I mean, it's very dangerous. It's very— Oh, there's a lot of downtime. A lot of downtime and really, really boring. I mean— you're in a place where there might be nothing around or it's not safe to go anywhere. And in World War II in particular, the army wanted the soldiers to get books, to be able to read them. And they it's sort of an ob, it's a paperback, but it's an unusual size because it's sort of oblong. And the reason they made them oblong is they I, fit in a in a uniform pocket really absolutely. easily. Absolutely. It makes so, so much sense, right? And and they got the publishers to let them be able to distribute them. These weren't for sale. They were free, and they actually said you can't sell them. So now these are uh, actual published novels and yeah. so forth. One you're holding in your hand is what? It's Kim by Rudyard Kipling. Oh, so sort of one of the story of India by Ru- Rudyard mm. Kipling. Sort mm. of one of the uh, – you know, the the uh, jungle stories and so on, one of his better yeah. known ones. Mm-hmm. And they, the, the series, there were probably th- four or five hundred or more they put out. Some of them were popular fiction of the time. Some were self-improvement books. Just the same type of thing that people would like. The one part about them, though, is they tended to not be in good condition. And it's funny because a collector nowadays wants them perfect, which means those are probably the copies that never got out to the battlefield. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're slogging around the mud and and pitching tents and bivouacking, the last thing in the world you expect is a perfect edition of anything. May I may I just hit of you? Of course. So it's it it is that oblong shape, uh, rectangular shape, I should say, and uh, armed services edition. This is the complete book, not a digest. Now we call them abridged editions. Yeah. And uh, very easy to read in terms of how to maneuver the, the text and all that. This is great. Yeah, and, and some of them nowadays are more collectible than others. Uh, for instance, one of the more expensive ones is they, uh, they have Great Gatsby, which lots of people collect Fitzgerald and get Great Gatsby. And uh, the, the first 
time it ever came out in paperback was in the Armed Services edition. I'm looking at other editions, including, and there are many classics, Jack London, White Fang, <laughs> Willa Cather, uh, let's see, Homer Smith. Uh, so Robert Benchley, which is yeah. great, Joseph Conrad. So these are these are tried and true best-selling classics. Right, and they wanted them. And they also, for the most part, most of them were relatively light reading. I mean, they didn't want the soldiers depressed right. uh, any more than they would be being out on the battlefield. Uh, but not only did they get worn out because, you know, if you're in battle or if it's damp, it's wet, it's mm. snowing, it's whatever, but the soldiers would pass them around. Because so one of these sometimes in a, a whole unit would get passed around until literally I mean it's a cheaper paperback until literally it fell apart. Now so, now is this uh, only uh, the World War Two era? Did it extend beyond that? This is mostly the this type was mostly mm-hmm. the World War Two period mm-hmm. because before of when paperbacks the like we know them. Uh, really got popular in the 60s, 70s. I mean, they were putting them out in the 50s, some mysteries and so on, but they they weren't widely distributed, uh, putting out cheap editions. Uh, Also, these were done in paper at the time because shipping, space they took up. So they tried to make them in compact editions without taking anything out. So there weren't the whole concept of general paperback reading wasn't as popular. Now it's just so, taking a great. So, so the Army was, a, in a sense, precursor of, of the paperback wave. They were doing it because of convenience and size and, and so forth. And, and shipping. and Shipping. Right. Yeah. And, hmm, uh, and then a lot of the soldiers got to read and got used to reading this type. And a lot of the publishers were starting to do paperbacks also because they're cheaper they were easy to put out. They weren't put out with lasting, with the idea of them lasting a long time. But if all of these soldiers were getting used to reading them, uh, that also was a way to get them reading your other books. Wonderful marketing. And I remember as a kid, I was a big fan of uh, the Lou Archer series, Ross McDonald. Yeah. And, uh, they were small enough to put in your back pocket. Yeah. And, and these, so it's the same idea. Same idea, uniform pocket. in. When you well, like I say, I'm hoping to get a big bunch of them. There are a few titles that go much higher, like Great Gatsby, mm-hmm. in a really good edition. Is that just because it's as rare as it is, or well, it's rare, and also the demand is oh, so okay. much higher. Okay. Uh, this will sort of change a little the subject, but if you if you like Great Gatsby, and one of the reasons that. Uh, that you'd like it is it's sort of a lot about finance and yeah. it really gives an idea of moving up in the world, which is still popular. But if you want a first edition of The Great Gatsby in really good sh- condition, you're looking at a, the perfect copy in the six figures. I mean, in the hundreds of thousands mm. of dollars. So some of the people who are collecting that you know, then five hundred or a thousand sounds really cheap. It does, and yeah. uh, and it's also one that's hard to get in good condition because a lot of people read it, and there were a few like that. Some of the Hemingway titles, uh, some of the others that were more popular, um, collectible now. If you can get the Armed Service editions, they're fine. 
But these were also the type of things that if you had at home, you know, and you moved back 20, 30, 50 years ago, out they went to the Salvation yeah, Army, yeah. the Morgan Memorial, or, or into the Or you threw trash. them in a box and Tr- left them in the attic and forgot about them. Yeah, oh, well, and, and then they make wonderful nesting material <laughs> for uh, for squirrels, mice. No, that's but that's uh, that's exactly. that's something that really gets involved uh, with it. So from a collector's point of view, they want the really beautiful, perfect. Also, when you look at this, all the people who are listening – it's a it's a pretty nice cover. I mean, you really know what the book is. They did special designs for they the did. covers. They did. So even if if I get that big collection, even graphically, oh, yeah. in a window or something, it would just draw our eyes. Well, I think the the shape, as we said, being a rectangular shape, uh, it sort of stands out. And if you put a bunch of them together, but Kim is a, a <laughs> one of the most celebrated of all his novels, Rudyard yeah. Kipling, and. Uh, it's a, it's a great story, and I can imagine a soldier in 1942 having an escape by having some downtime well, that, and reading that. That was and, the whole idea. That was the whole idea, and the whole idea was that the publishers helped to the war effort, and if that's the way they could do it. Uh, the people that I actually know, there aren't many left, but they said they used to look forward to getting the shipments of them when they came, and one of the first things they do— the minute they had any time off, they'd read the book because, you know, there wasn't – you couldn't take your iPad out and no, watch a movie. The only other thing that occurred back then, as you know, was uh, actual records that were cut yep. by celebrities and others who – or even families that they had the equipment and sent them over. But nothing like a book, you know. Yeah, like and, and they had the US sh- USO shows right, and right. that. But Reading was really important to a lot of the uh, the people, and it helped the time pass, and hopefully it kept them active and alert. And uh, and when they returned, they were pretty well read if they yeah. handled a, a few of these titles. Yeah, and then that leads to more knowledge and learning and caring about books and well, reading, I, which I is hope, good for the country. I know it will all be history by the time this airs, but I hope your uh, search and your trek is successful. Well, that's one of the great parts about what I do is – there is that search, and you're always going out, and you're always – hopefully you'll be able to make an offer that the people will accept and be reasonable. And, and then then it's fun seeing the, the other collectors who will – I would bet if I get this collection, and this podcast will be after we're talking, mm. I could almost get the collection, put it in my basement, not tell anybody that we had it, and somehow or other – People go, I just heard you got a whole bunch of um, services edition. And I really want to see them, and this is what I collect. Yeah. And uh, somehow it, I think the airwaves, it just goes out. Is a buzz. When you're when Ken is out there lurking, there's a buzz. People sort of get it, and that's fun. It, it's a lot of fun, yeah. and, and also the staff at the store will enjoy looking through them too because they're not what you see every day, but, but they're fun things. Absolutely. And then, and, and on the scale of things, the large majority of them sell for five, ten, fifteen dollars. They're not expensive. There are a few much higher, but so they're very obtainable. And when someone who's a collector, you you can do it at a reasonable price with a lot of hunting and searching, and that's the real fun of collecting. You're listening to the Brattlecast. We uh, appear before you in the cloud and on the cloud on a regular basis with great topics like this. Remember. Go to brattlebookshop.com to look at 
previous episodes and also to make a suggestion, right, Ken? We're always well, looking for uh, people to have a request or two. You know, I have – one of the things I collect is stories. I just write – anytime there's a story, I write it down. Right. And I could probably do – a lot from that, but when a new story comes in, that gets me excited. And if I can do a podcast to excite other people, so send them in and you'll you come go. up with a subject that I wasn't thinking of. And you'll hear your story expounded upon here on the podcast called The Brattlecast. Ken, thank you as always. Well, thank you. Thank you.